Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 36. Hello, and welcome back to another session here at the Medical School HQ Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Gray, and we are the podcast about medical school. Whether you are a freshman in college, a senior in high school, in medical school now, or a resident, hopefully we have information for all of you to take your knowledge of becoming a physician to the next level. Today, I am back in the studio with my lovely co-host, Allison. Hey, everybody. And we're going to kind of flip the books on you today. She's going to interview me because I seem to get a lot of an- a lot of questions about what it's like to be a flight surgeon. So she's going to interview me and ask me some questions about being a flight surgeon in the Air Force, and I'll answer them the best I can. Uh, before we get started with that interview, or her interview of me, a couple things that we like to to mention here at the beginning of the podcast. We got three great five-star reviews uh, this past week. One from future Dr. Ben saying, absolutely a must for pre-meds to listen to. So thankful for your podcast, Dr. Gray. And he goes on saying, uh, he's thankful. So thank you, future Dr. Ben. We have RC Pre-Med. He says, or she says, great podcast for any pre-med. And then we have Austin Newsom who says, valuable information. So thank you guys for those five-star reviews and ratings. It's awesome. It uh, helps us in iTunes. For those of you who haven't left a review yet or a rating yet, it helps us in iTunes. They they have some voodoo algorithm that ranks podcasts. And the more reviews we get, the more ratings we get, the more likely other people are to find us in the iTunes uh, podcast store. So if you haven't done yet and you like our podcast, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes and you can leave a rating or review there. You can also do it in the actual podcast app if you're on an iOS device. So a couple different ways to leave a review. And we greatly appreciate every review, every rating that you guys give us. 
A couple other ways you can interact with us I want to mention. We're on Twitter at Medical School HQ. You can email us feedback at medicalschoolhq.net. Or if you have a specific question for myself or Allison, you can email us directly, Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net or Allison at medicalschoolhq.net, and and that'll go directly to each of us. The third and probably best way to uh, carry on the conversation from today's podcast is actually go to the show notes. And you can go to the show notes for every podcast at medicalschoolhq.net and then the session number. So today's is medicalschoolhq.net slash session 36. So now we got the housekeeping out of the way. I think uh, we're ready for this interview. Are you ready, Allison? I'm ready. Any other things you want to mention? No, I think you you did it. You got it. For those of you that joined us on our webinar, we want to thank you. We had a webinar this past week as we're releasing this. This podcast will go live on July tw- mm. July 31st. Oh, last day of July. Yeah, July 31st. We had a podcast on July 25th and talking about the biggest mistakes. Oh, the webinar. Yeah. Yeah, the, the webinar. We, the biggest mistakes we made as pre-meds. It got off to a rough start, but I think we finished strong. We we had some technical difficulties. We're we're awesome at podcasting, but that was our first <laughs> webinar. So if you joined us and this is the first time you're listening to our podcast because of the webinar, welcome. Go back and listen to all the other great episodes we have. And uh, hopefully we'll do a lot more webinars in the future. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We had a really good time. All right. All right. So interview from me to you. So we are going to talk about what Ryan does as a flight surgeon, because as he said, so many pre-meds out there and medical students uh, write in and, and ask us, what does that mean? You know, talk about military medicine. What do you do every day? So I'm going to start by asking Ryan, what is a flight surgeon? And I'll just mention that when I first heard the word, maybe you guys have had the same thing. I thought it meant operating in the sky. And that's definitely not what he does. So let's ask uh, you, Ryan, what is a flight surgeon? I, I think that's the biggest misconception out there is everybody goes, wow, you operate on a plane? <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> and the, the answer is no, I do not. Um, I, I, I like to tell people I'm basically a family practice doc for a specific population of Air Force members. And that specific population is pilots, load masters. They're the ones that make sure all the weight is balanced in the back of a plane and push around pallets and stuff. Engineers, flight engineers on planes. Uh, We have missile operators and space operators and uh, the, the little drone pilots now. And we, we take care of air traffic controllers. Basically, anybody that is around or involved, a lot of the kind of very important stuff that goes on in day-to-day operations in the Air Force, their medical standards are much higher than a normal Air Force person. And that's my job. I'm the medical standards expert. And I make sure that they meet all those medical standards and and are able to continue to do their job. So 
that's it in a nutshell. I, I, I work in an office, a normal office on the grounds, not in the sky. Um, I do get to fly. That's part of my job. I, I'm required actually to fly. So once a week I go and fly and sometimes I post fun pictures on Twitter or Facebook about my, my flying endeavors. What kind of planes are you flying? So right now I fly around in a KC-135, which is a big gas station in the sky. Um, it's it's like flying commercial. It's just a big jet and flies around. It's really loud though because it uh, they removed all the normal insulation that a regular plane has, and so it's loud and cold and not the most comfortable ride. But I've also been in C-5s and C-17s, which are huge cargo planes. And I've been in an F-16 and have actually flown an F-16. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's been the highlight, I think, of my flying career so far. And and for those that don't know, I I have my private pilot's license. I got it last year because I I love aviation. And and so I always try to bribe the the guys that I fly with now, the the KC-135s. I always try to bribe them to get in the uh, the quote-unquote driver's seat, but they haven't let me yet. So question, why are you required to fly every week? So part of my job is to make sure every time I see a patient is to make sure that they are safe doing what they do in the sky with whatever condition they're coming to me with. So if somebody comes into me with knee pain and they're a pilot, I have to know what it's like for a pilot to fly a plane. And part of the training to become a flight surgeon involves actual flying. So even though I have my private pilot license, before then I actually did some flying with my flight medicine course to learn how stressful it is to be in a in a cockpit and fly a plane and how many stimuli there are and you get oversaturated with all the the tasks that need to be done. And so if somebody comes in with knee pain and I know they're flying a big heavy jet and and they're pushing on rudder pedals, which helps steer the plane, and just like power steering goes out in your car, the power that controls the rudder can go out and they need to forcefully push on those things. And if they have knee pain, they might not be able to do that. So I might ground them what we call DNIF, duties not to include flying. Uh, I might ground them and suspend them from flying. Wow, that's a heavy responsibility. Yeah, so ba- basically, I I need to fly so that I know all the stresses that they have day in and day out. Right. Now, I'm, I'm guessing that not all these guys are thrilled about coming into the doctor because what if they have something wrong and they don't want anybody to DNIF them? That's the best part of my job, I think, is that they avoid me like the plague. <laughs> and that's good because I, I know that if they are coming to see me with something, then then they know that there's something wrong and they need it taken care of. These guys are all pretty smart. They, they, they understand that I kind of control their career, but uh, they, they tr- put that trust in me and, and I, I don't abuse it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it seems even kind of more sacred or special than the trust that someone might have with their doctor who they go to see in the office because they're really making sure that every single day when they get up there in the the plane that you've said that it's okay to to fly so that's pretty awesome all right so uh switching gears a little bit so how did you come to be a flight surgeon 
That is the million dollar question. <laughs> I have lots of million dollar questions. That's one of them. I went to medical school knowing that I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. Period. End of story. That's what I wanted to do. And because I went to medical school on the health profession scholarship, the military had some decision-making control in my residency application. And part of residency applications involves what's called the match. So before the match, I had to apply to the military version of the match. And I applied to orthopedic programs, and the military said, no, we, uh, we don't need you for orthopedics. Just go, go apply for a one-year internship as a civilian. And so that's what I did. And then I did that year internship at a civilian hospital here in Boston and reapplied to the military match and again was told, nope, we don't need you for orthopedics still. You are now going to be a flight surgeon. So the military kind of cut me off, cut my postgraduate education off and said, you're going to be a, what we call a general medical officer, meaning only one year of, of quote-unquote residency training, and, uh, and you're going to be a flight surgeon. So if you wanted to go and complete a residency, uh, either civilian or military, is that an option for you? At this point, yes. Once, once you work a year or two... Uh, you can reapply to the postgraduate. And when you asked, or when you said before, uh, the military didn't need me, what did you mean by that? How do they decide who they need for whatever specialty? So without getting too in-depth, because it's a pretty crazy topic, they every year they sit down and figure out how many people they're going to need in several years, kind of forecasting their needs. And you see that list when you're applying to the military match and and orthopedics is super competitive and they really don't need a lot of them because it, with military medicine now they're more and more going to what's what's called just a super clinic they're getting rid of a lot of their big hospitals where an orthopedic surgeon might operate and so they don't really need a lot of orthopedic surgeons anymore uh, a lot of the orthopedic services uh, the orthopedic care is um kind of sheltered off base now. Okay. So you got sort of diverted by the Air Force uh, into flight surgery, but seems like actually you really love it. So it was a good diversion for you. Yeah, it is a good uh, diversion. And, and one quick correction, it's actually not called flight surgery. So it's, it's one of those things, that's okay. It's one of those things where I am a flight surgeon, but I practice aerospace medicine or aviation medicine, as a lot of people call it. So it's it's a, a weird thing. But yeah, I, I got lucky. I And I, I try to reiterate this to everybody going through the, the pre-med med school process, military or non-military, is just keep an open mind for everything. And uh, you're going to have some curveballs thrown at you and just keep an open mind and, and work with what you have and... and you'll make the best out of any situation. And I think that's that's how you get through life happy. Absolutely. Flexible and knowing change is coming. Good uh, good things to operate by. Okay. Um, and folks, by the way, 
I make mistakes all the time about military jargon and even what Ryan does. So (laughs) believe me, I'm fully aware of what he does, but it gets confusing for us civilians. So good to have uh, good to have a reminder there. Okay, so uh, Ryan, you mentioned that you did your internship in a civilian hospital here in Boston. So can you just briefly tell us about what are some major differences that you've seen in the practice of uh, civilian medicine, uh, something like what I do, versus uh, what you do um, in military medicine now? Really, there isn't much difference at all. Patients come and see you, you diagnose them, you treat them, and you, you send them on their way. There are some caveats to that because you have to think about their diseases and their conditions in terms of military service. So as a physician, as a physician, I'm always trying to think of whether or not this condition is compatible with military service or whether or not we might have to start a process to maybe medically retire somebody. Um, but other than that, it's it's really the same day in and day out. Uh, I don't have a lot of the insurance difficulties probably that a lot of physicians have since mm, since yeah. all of our people are insured. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's that's very nice. And so if I want a test done, the test typically gets done without much hassle. That is nice. Okay. Um, And I know just because we know each other so well, you have also talked some about the difference in the hierarchy or just just the way that people relate to each other on the job. I mean, I think, you know, I don't salute when I go to work. You know, there are some military things that, that kind of pervade, I think, a little bit just from my observations. Can you tell us just a bit about that? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think being called sir all day long is a little strange. Um, and and walking around and making sure that you're always looking around to see if somebody higher rankings around, if you might have to salute them and quickly switch hands with what you're carrying so you can salute with the proper hand. <laughs> <laughs> I would never salute with the wrong hand. Maybe once, but we won't tell. Um, and that's indoors too. I thought you only had to salute outdoors. Only saluting outdoors. Okay. <laughs> only saluting outdoors. <laughs> All right. But so, I mean, there could be someone who um, is a nurse or a physical therapist or, uh, you know, a different uh, branch, not branch, but different part of the team uh, in uh, the practice of medicine who could be your superior, right? Which is different than kind of the traditional model in the civilian world. So. That's pretty cool. It's kind of a different different way that it works a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. There's it's it's kind of all mixed up and but we're we're all cordial and and get along hopefully and uh it works well. Yeah. And what I've noticed again just observing uh, when I've come to visit you at work, I, it just seems like people really do have that respect and uh just teamwork um and uh, it's just reinforced all around you so i think that that's great because we aim for that in the civilian world too we have to work in teams but i think when there's a structure around it it's it's less hard or uh, less easy for it to break down kind of uh as it sometimes can in the civilian world when teams are not working well so Mm -hmm. um it's good it's a good community yeah all right uh and uh just a quick question before i move on uh you mentioned that you were used to fly in some tankers. Uh, have you gone overseas with your job? Yeah, so that's a, another popular question 
whether or not I d- I've deployed. And I, I haven't deployed yet, but I have been overseas to some of the places where we're at war, uh, just jumping on a plane and flying over there with the air crew. So I, I've, I've been to a, a bunch of places in the desert and have hung out for a couple days here and there, but never for prolonged periods of time. And that's really the, the best time that I have as a flight surgeon, when I can jump on the plane as an air crew member and just hang out with the guys and the girls. And honestly, that's where they, they kind of open up because I'm not sitting in front of my electronic medical record system. <laughs> oh, you have that too. <laughs> a, able, able to uh, type in all of their questions and con- concerns right right on the spot. So that's when they ask a lot of more uh, more questions that they might get in trouble for asking in an, in an office setting. <laughs> like, hey, Doc, I've been meaning to ask you yeah, about this. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a friend. <laughs> right, my friend is feeling <laughs> every time she goes to the bathroom. No, okay. Um, well, that's awesome. So it sounds like there are so many perks to your job that it, you know we would never, as civilian physicians, have the opportunity to participate in. So that's you know the flying and the... Uh, well, flying overseas, flying around uh, the United States. Uh, and I know you also go to courses. Uh, you're going to one this week. So it's pretty cool. So let's talk about, uh, and you already talked about this a little bit, but can you highlight for us um, some of the things that you really love about your job? And then just highlight for us a couple things that you think could be better, a couple things that you don't like as much about your job as a flight surgeon. So things I like. I I like the community involvement, but that's not specific to being a flight surgeon. That's just the military in general. I like my patient population. Uh, a lot of you people that are listening, students out there listening, are going to go into primary care specialties, uh, orthopedics, radiology, wh- whatever you're going into. A lot of your specialties, you're going to be dealing with possibly with patients that come to you looking for an excuse to get out of work. My patients come to me, or my patients avoid me for the most part because they love to work. They love their job. They love flying. And, and that's, I find, a very unique situation where my, if my patients are sick, they are desperately trying to get healthy again. And uh, that, I think that's the best part that I like about my job. That's awesome. I, I wish every patient had that mentality that, gee, help me so I can, or let's help each other so that I can get better. And, you know, not to say anything bad about people uh, in in this country, but there there's a lot of sort of abuse, I think, of disability and uh, it's just kind of sad. Um, but uh, anyway, that's a topic for another day. So, but it sounds like your patient population is, is really cool. So uh, highlight a couple things that you don't like, things that could be better as a flight surgeon. There are, or there is a lot of administrative stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's common in medicine kind of anywhere you are now. Oh, lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot of paperwork. Uh, so I don't think that's really unique, but that's that's one of the biggest things. Okay. The uh, Our computer systems aren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> our electronic medical re- record system could use an overhaul, but again, I think that's very common in every, every hospital. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I don't I don't think any anybody likes their electronic medical record system. If you are out there and you like what you're using, let me know what it is. I think the only one I've seen that does a really good job is the VA system. So which is sort of connected to the military. They they figured out how to do electronic medical records long before anybody else did. And they are still doing a good job at it. So the rest of us just have to figure out how to get through all these crappy programs uh, that have problems. But um, yeah, so. OK, so it sounds like uh, none of the things that you mentioned that you don't like uh, those, you know, those aren't things that are specific to military medicine or flight being a flight surgeon. Those are things that really uh, are issues for all of us as physicians. So. All right. So last question, Ryan, uh, is there anything you would share with pre-meds or med- medical students who are um, on their way at some point to applying for residency and in, in the military or looking ahead toward a, a career in military medicine? So I would highly encourage everybody out there to look into the military for a, a possible job or career to to pay for medical school. It, it's a great deal for you. You get medical school paid for. You owe four years of active duty service. And it, it's a great it's a great life. You you have to be flexible. You're you're gonna be deployed most likely. You're gonna have to move around most likely. Uh, you might not get exactly what you want. But for me, I could I could turn around at the end of next year when my commitment is up and apply to orthopedics and and do what I set out to do. I don't know if I'm going to do that, but if I did, all it did was delay what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life for four years. And in those four years, I had an awesome adventure that I would never had before. How many people get to fly a a freaking (laughs) F-16? Not many. Uh, So I, I think the odds are higher that you get struck by lightning to get to fly an F-16. So it's it's an amazing job, and uh, I highly encourage anybody to go out there and look for it uh, or look into it. I, you have to be a little bit flexible. You have to be willing for a little of adventure. You have to be willing to not... You, you have to be willing to give up a, a little bit of control of your life. And for me, I was I was single when I took the scholarship, and then I... I met Allison uh, the first week of medical school, so that kind of threw a wrench into doing whatever I wanted, and and now she's dragged along with it. So your partner in life is going to have to be willing to put up with some of the the issues as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I can just speak about that for a second as a spouse of a a military man. Um, I... When when Ryan and I met, I mean, I had never thought in a million years that I would necessarily marry someone in the military because I always thought, well, that invo- involves a lot of moving around. And, you know, I wanted to be in the Northeast forever. And I just didn't have a lot of perspective. And, and that's something that um, I really learned as being uh, as a military uh, spouse when Ryan was in, uh, well, for the last couple of years before this past year, uh, I was still in my residency in neurology in Boston and Ryan was, uh, stationed at, at, uh, Dover in Delaware, uh, at the air force base there. And it was really hard. Uh, you know, we were long distance and we were both really busy at work. And as a resident, it's really hard to, uh, get away and, and uh, be able to get out of town. So it was really tough. But what I learned through that experience was that 
I really don't care where I live in the end. Uh, I mean, with some exception, but really what it comes down to is that what I care about is living under the same roof as as my husband. And uh, it just, it taught me so much about that, that that is so much more important than where you actually live, you know? So, uh, and yes, when we think about the future and could we have to move around? Yes, uh, I I would second that, that you have to be flexible and, and make sure that you can, that your partner, your significant other and your family can be supportive and and on board with you uh, about that plan, but we're we're in this, and hey, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, but I, I also just want to highlight one other thing, which is that as a flight surgeon, uh, Ryan is serving our country, and so I thank him for that every day. And and I really have so much respect and admiration for all of the uh, members of of the military, the people who he serves with in, in flight medicine and, and the people that I've met, uh, and all of the, um, service members out there, men and women who every day, uh, fight for our country and, and give us the freedoms, um, that we hold so dear, um, by what they do and, and with their courage. So I just want to thank you, Ryan, uh, publicly and, and also just thank, um, all of you out there who are listening, who are, uh, either in the military military already or thinking about um, being in the military at some point. So, uh, great. Well, uh, unless we have anything else to talk about, I think we covered that subject pretty well. So, Ryan, thank you for sharing with us about what it's like to be a flight surgeon and how you got here and what you're doing. Uh, it was really fun to talk about it, and uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll move on to our next little segment here. So yeah, I want to talk about a project that Allison and I have been working on for the good part of a month or two now. We've been talking to listeners and people that come to our website on the phone, over Skype, and trying to figure out what is missing out there in the world of pre-med and medical school information what kind of questions you guys had and just couldn't find answers to what, what resources did you like? What resources didn't, didn't you like and why didn't you like them? And one of the biggest things we kept coming back to was the fact that everybody out there loves a community that they could go to where they could trust the answers and they could get the answers that they wanted without having to dig around too much, without having to worry about asking a question and and getting kind of uh, quote unquote yelled at by the 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 internet trolls. They, uh, when we were talking to students, they they talked about a lot of resources that are missing out there, like timelines on what it's like to go through medical school as a non-traditional student, timelines as a traditional student. There's the the overwhelming statement was that there's just a lot of pieces to the puzzle and it's there's no real way to put them all together easily. And so we've decided to create a membership community at medicalschoolhq.net. The membership community is going to be called the Academy or the MSHQ Academy, whatever you want to call it. And it's going to have a community where users sign up using their real names and post into forms using real names. And we'll be able to to 
actually build relationships with this. And I think with the collaboration that I'm hoping will take place, we'll be able to help everybody along the way get to where they want to go without having to throw anybody under the bus. And all those answers are going to be there. The experts are going to be there. Alice and I are going to be kind of the moderators of the forum, making sure everybody stays on topic and and that the correct answers are being told and shared. Obviously, there's there's always going to be opinions out there, and that's okay as long as the opinions are are kind of on topic as well. But along with the community, we're going to have a private Facebook group. We understand that most people these days are on Facebook, so as you're browsing around, stalking your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend, you can post a quick question into the private Facebook group. You can have, we're, we're going to have monthly webinars where you're going to sign up for a webinar in, say, May, and we're going to run you through applications, medical school applications, so you're you're ready to go start June 1 when that application opens. If uh, let's talk about in December when maybe you're starting to study for the MCAT. We're going to have an MCAT webinar and, and talk about all the, the pertinent information about the MCAT. So whatever is important that part of the year, we're going to talk about it in a webinar. We're going to have some awesome discounts on test prep uh, software, test prep uh, packages through different companies and uh so much more. We're ju- we're just getting started with this, and we're we're working on it. We're building it behind the scenes, and we're excited to uh, to open it up in a couple weeks, hopefully, uh, with a form and and get the ball rolling. So, I want all you listeners out there. I invite you to come sign up to be on the waiting list. You can go to jointheacademy.net to be part of this awesome community that we're building. When you go to jointheacademy.net, you'll scroll all the way down to the bottom. Uh, to get on the list to be notified when we open up the academy where you can sign up. So, you have any uh, other things to add to the academy there, Allison? I'm just really excited, and so many people we've talked to have been searching for a community of, of people they can trust and one where there's organization of the content and gets you what you need really quickly and without a lot of searching around. So we're really excited to build this community and continue to to give uh, back to you guys and to try to bring you the best and most up-to-date information that we can in, in your path to becoming a physician and, and thereafter. So we're just really excited. I think it's it's going to be awesome. And so get yourself on our waiting list so we can uh, we can see you and uh, and look forward to talking with you. Yeah. And, and for those listening that might not want to join the community and are worried the podcast is going away, not, nothing else is changing. We're just adding the community. Adding and building. <laughs> adding and building. Adding and building. So join the academy.net, get on the waiting list, and we, we hope to see you as soon as we open. So I think that's all. I hope you, the listener, got some valuable information from hearing me talk about kind of what I do on a day-to-day basis. I hope you... Join us at the uh, Academy, jointheacademy.net, get on the waiting list. And uh, I guess until the next time, we hope to see you back here at the Medical School Headquarters Podcast.